Fourth and final hour, Darren Dunnick and Chase on this Thursday afternoon. We are live here at Pete and Terry's Tavern. Predators and Flames tonight at 7 o'clock. That's when they'll drop the puck on this Halloween night. I'll have pregame for you starting at 6. Darren McFarland, Willie Donick, Chase McCabe, now Elliot Friedman. We look forward to this segment every Thursday at 1 o'clock. And Elliot is brought to you by <laughs> Terry's Iyer Remax Elite. Elliot, how you doing? Are you guys in costume today? Uh, we are not. We are dressed up. We are lame. Very, very okay, lame. As long, as long as you guys admit it, that's okay. That's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're not in denial. Very, very lame. Okay. Um, well, I want to hit you with something that I'm not even sure you can, but it was just kind of bouncing off a topic we were, were discussing at the end of last hour. We kind okay. of feel like in professional sports, home field, home ice advantage feels less of an advantage in today's professional sports landscape. We just saw it play out in the World Series where all seven games went to the road team, went to the visiting team. I think how many road games the Blues won right. last year. So, right. And, and the Predators in their run, they had massive success on the road. So are we on to something? Are we just throwing something out there we have no data to back up? It just feels that way. So I'll ask you, what, what do you think about that? You know, I, I do think there's some truth to it. Um, I think every team, in play, regardless of what just happened in the World Series, I think every team and player would tell you that um, they would prefer a, a big game at home. I, I think most teams would tell you that. But I, I think, you know, to me, I think there's a few differences. First of all, the scouting has improved so much that – you know, teams know each other's strengths and weaknesses. There's so much video. I think it makes the margins thinner. Number two, you know, it, you're, you're a bit of a difference where you guys are that your home ice situation is unique. In the NHL, when you go into Nashville, you know that you're going to something that is very different than most other stadiums. But I think in a lot of places now, you know, like so many of the stadiums are, I don't know if I want to use the phrase cookie cutter because I'm not sure that that is right. But I think that, you know, in, you know, Boston's rink used to be tiny. It was smaller than a regular NHL rink. And the Bruins tailored their team to that. That was a real home ice advantage. I think in sports, a lot of that has disappeared. I think you're an exception. But I think a lot of that has disappeared. And I think the other thing, too, is that, like now, especially in the playoffs, when tickets get so expensive, it becomes almost an event for other teams' fans to see if they can buy tickets to get into your buildings. Like, I remember when Washington won the Stanley Cup two years ago in Vegas, it seemed that, like that building, as great as the Vegas fans are, was half-filled with Capitals fans. Wow. And I think all of that has changed. Like, you look at those videos from last night, it looks like there's Nationals fans all over Houston's ballpark. Like, I think that those things have changed the home ice or field experience. By the way, a listener did, and I was, I was going to follow up with that if you thought that was a factor. A listener did bring that to our attention of how much do you think, as you said, postseason tickets go up. The secondary markets, if you're willing to pay, either you price out kind of Joe Fan who's really loud and rowdy and you've kind of got people in suits, 
or like you said, if you're a, a, t, a, a fan rooting for the opposition, if you've got the money, you can buy your way into the place. Somebody brought that to our I, attention. It sounds like you agree with them. I do. I think that I think whoever made that point, it's a hundred percent true. Um, I think if you are willing to pay to go on the road, it's easier to do it than ever. And I think last night's World Series videos again were proof of that. They were a ton of Nationals fans there last night. Yeah, there were. Was anybody from Montreal there last night? Does anybody in Montreal not, care? Yeah, how, do they, how, do they feel? how do they feel about the Nationals winning it? You know, it's been a long time. It's been, you know, <laughs> what, 15 years? Um, I'm sure, <laughs> I mean, if, if there was enough passion for the Expos, they'd still be there. Um, I love, I mean, I love the Expos, but I don't feel like, I don't feel in pain or anything like that by the Nationals winning. It's been, it's been 15 years. It's been a long time. Good point. All right, so let's ask you about the deal that took place here on Tuesday. We had David Poyle sit down at our table where we're located after the press conference. We had Roman Yossi on the show yesterday. Uh, a new deal for the captain, eight years, just over $74 million, $9.059 per year. That's not a coincidence, those numbers. Nope. So what did you make? What did you make of it? Well, you know, I think that we talked about it. And I think a lot of us felt that we just didn't see Roman Yossi in another uniform. So at the end of the day, I don't think anybody is surprised. And Roman Yossi should be a Nashville Predator. I think at the end of the day, um, I, I think the, the Predators pretty quickly and David Poyle, they agreed on the trade protection. Although I have to admit, I thought maybe at the end of the contract, there would be something on the lines of a limited no-trade clause. Like maybe it would be half the league or something like that. I was surprised the thing went all the way through the deal. But I think they obviously agreed on that. They agreed on the structure. I think the biggest challenge was just the number. And... You know, the thing that you guys have an advantage with in Tennessee is the state tax situation, so his value is higher. But there's no question to me that if Roman Yossi went on the market, his number would have been bigger than 9.059. Maybe it would have been 10.059 or something like that. But it would have been much higher. And I think at the end of the day, the Predators knew that. Their window to win the Stanley Cup is very much alive in the next few years. And if you lose Roman Yossi, you're not replacing him. And I think at the end of the day, the Predators knew they had to budge a little bit, and they'll be glad they did. This contract, I know that everybody worries about what he's going to look like when he's 36 or 37 years old. If, if you guys win the Cup, and he's a big part of it, and he would be if you guys win it, Nobody's going to care what he looks like when he's 36 or 37 years old. Elliot Friedman is with us. And, Elliot, I was reading your your thoughts yesterday on the piece, and that is something that I, I think we kicked around a lot after the deal was done. And it was because it was interesting is that night the Blackhawks come in and they're mm-hmm. dealing with the aftermath of paying the price they needed to pay to win the three cups, the going for it and all that. And they have a few of those contracts that do look like, 
some guys in their 30s that aren't what they were a few years ago. And so I think, as you put it, the Predators have to hope, and, and I think they're confident, that Roman Yossi will age well. Well, I think you, I think you always know the player best, right? Like, like nobody knows Roman Yossi better than the Nashville Predators. Because he, is he in good shape? Well, he's definitely in better shape than me. He looks like he's in good shape. Does he, does he take care of himself? Like, is this a person who is dedicated to doing the things that you need to do to be an elite athlete and stay there in your 30s? Nobody knows that answer better than the people who run the National Predators because they see it every day. Uh, you know, so if they're, gonna, if they're taking the bet, to me they're saying, we know the answer is yes. And, you know, I know people, they hammer these contracts and I understand in a black and white world, you say 30-year-old, eight-year contract, odds are bad. But there are exceptions. Henrik Lundqvist in New York, the goalie, I remember they signed him, I think he was 31, to an eight-year deal, and people ripped the deal. He's going to make it worthwhile. They will earn every cent on that deal. T.J. Oshie, he signed an eight-year deal a couple of years ago. People in Washington were saying that's a terrible deal. T.J. Oshie is a major reason they won the Stanley Cup. As far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter how what he's like in year five, six, seven, or eight. He helped was a big piece on a team that ended Washington Stanley Cup's drought. It's worth it, no matter what happens now. So I look at it this way. You guys are saying either we believe that Yossi is going to be good enough and take care of himself, that he's going to make this most of this deal worth it, or all of it, or B, he's going to win us a cup, and then we're not going to care what he looks like when he's 36 years old. And I like that bet for you guys. I really do. I think, I think at the end of the day, if I was in David Poyle's shoes, would I make the same bet? Yes. Yes, I would. Elliot, uh, the Blackhawks, meanwhile, the Predators really took them to the woodshed, 51 shots, total domination, mm-hmm. and it was without Philip Forsberg, who comes back tonight. And you had some thoughts on how they are evaluating their roster because uh, the point we made, uh, and I think you made it as well in your thing, was they're not supposed to be rebuilding. They're trying to rebound and get back to the to the playoffs, but they look like they've got some issues here. Yes, that's, that's certainly true. Um First of all, I'm sure Calgary is really thrilled to hear that Forsberg is coming back tonight. I'm sure they would have preferred he wait one more game. Um, you know, they this was a year where they hoped that they would be back in the race. And, you know, they're really struggling. That game that you guys played against them, I think, was only their third road game of the year. Like They've had a really home-heavy schedule. They went overseas at the beginning of the year, and they got a lot of home games because of it. So you're already behind the eight ball because your records are bad. And then you're really looking at it, even though we were talking about home ice before, you'd still rather take home games over road games. So they had the third overall pick this year in the draft. They told him two days ago he's staying up the whole year. They had a high pick two years ago who was in the American League. They called him up today, and he's going to join them out in California. So this says to me, They are ready to hand over their rosters to some of their kids. They're a little bit desperate. They want those guys to make an impact. Um, Definitely they're treading water right now. There's no question about it. 
what has been the issue? Why have the Flames not been able to kick it into gear like they did last year? Well, they've had some turnover. You know, um, I think that, I mean, they had an unbelievable year last year. They had a phenomenal year. They were second in the league in the regular season. But then, unfortunately, they got wiped out in the playoffs. And they had some changes. But one of the biggest things is their two most important forwards in terms of offense, Shawnee Goudreau, Sean Monaghan, they're not going yet. For whatever reason, Goudreau, he's, very, he's got great vision in the offensive zone. He's not able to make plays right now. And Monaghan, who's his trigger man, the scorer, he needs the puck close to the net, and then he's lethal. But he can't get the puck close to the net right now. Goudreau's just not getting it to him there. So when he struggles, the other guy struggles, and that takes away a lot of their offense. I think that's one of the big factors for sure. Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet is here with us. You can check out his 31 thoughts at sportsnet.ca. So, Elliot, now that October is coming to a close, we're seeing yep. you know some teams that, okay, they look like they're for real right now, but it's still early. But also there's some key injuries around the league. We know about Tarasenko, Landis Cog, players like that. So is this the time now where GMs are going to start to look and, and maybe there's some players that either need a change of scenery or are going to be – unrestricted free agents that now is the time where we start to see a little wheeling and dealing? I, I think you're getting closer. Um, you know, I mean, the bigger problem, guys, is that there's a lot of teams really close to the cap number. That's the biggest issue. There's a lot of teams who are right near the limit, and they've already kind of been warned that next year and maybe even the year after, it's not going up that much. So teams are being really careful with their long-term planning. So that's problem number one. But number two, I think it sounds like there's a lot more conversations going on. I think one of the names you guys are going to hear is a name you guys are very familiar with, and that's Kevin Fial. Um, he was a healthy scratch earlier this year. He got hurt. Um, he was eligible to play his first game on Tuesday night in Dallas. They didn't play him. Now, he did play last night in St. Louis, but... He started the game as a fourth liner. I was working a different game, so I didn't get a chance to see where he finished, but he started as a fourth liner. And, you know, it's not been a great fit for him there with the Wild. So I think he's definitely a guy who's available, and we'll see if there's any interest in him. It's just unfortunate for him because, as you know, he was only traded, what, 10 months ago? So it's not like, you know, it's, ne it's never a great sign when someone trades for you and then 10 months later, less than a calendar year later, they're saying, you know what, we'd like to look around and see what else is out there. Yep, it's a shame. We got to know Kevin very well here. He's um, it's a good guy. He's, he's got a lot of talent, but he's got to put everything together, you know, a lot of it off the ice. You know, he's got to put all that part. He's got to – he's always been kid, a guy that's a little immature, needs to grow up a little bit. He's got loads of talent. Uh, obviously very confident in his abilities. <laughs> He's not lacking confidence. But uh, you're right, it just has not worked out in Minnesota. It just seems like it's been uh, a bad marriage from the get-go. I think that's a fair way to put it. You know, some people, you wake up the next day, you want an annulment. I don't know if it's quite like that, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, it hasn't worked out as well as they would have hoped. That's for sure. No doubt about it. Elliot, always uh, appreciate the visit. Thanks for doing this. You have a... 
a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next Thursday. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. All right. You do the same. Elliot Friedman brought to you by uh, Carrie Zire, Remax Elite, every week, and we always look forward to this visit Thursdays at 1 o'clock. New Amsterdam Vodka will get involved next segment because they're behind the tickets that you have a chance to win. We'll ask you a question on the other side, something from this interview you just heard, and you'll have a chance to win some tickets to an upcoming Predators home game. We'll be back. More of Darren, Donnick, and Chase next.